Ash Wednesday is a day of good news, bad news, isn't it? What do you want first, the good news or the bad news? We're all familiar with those things. The very ashes on your head proclaim bad news, don't they? Remember that you are dust. To dust you will return. But remember that your Lord Jesus has joined you there. Remember that he has gone into the grave and he has risen up from the grave. Our Lord is not the dead Lord, but the God of the living. And so the ashes proclaim not just bad news, that you are going to die, but the good news, that Christ has turned your death into life. Yes, Ash Wednesday is a day of good news bad news. And we even have that in our gospel reading today, Jesus' teaching about prayer and giving and fasting. So what do you want? Do you want the good news of the gospel reading today or the bad news first? I'll start with the good news first. I like to start that way, right? Good news. The gospel reading today is very practical, isn't it? Americans like practicality. We like to know what you're supposed to do with a thing, Right? So imagine this morning, if I were to hold up a baseball here, it's almost springtime. We can think of the time when pitchers and catchers will soon be reporting. Right? If I held up a baseball and I described to you how the baseball was made, what it is, how much cork is in it, how much rubber is in it, what kind of leather covers it, and how the stitches were sewn, I would be telling you what it is. But your question would not be, what is a baseball? Your question would be, How do I use it, Pastor? What do we do with that ball? And for that, you would have a lot more fun, wouldn't you? We like practical things. Well, good news. Jesus is very practical today. When you give, when you pray, when you fast, Jesus is telling you to do things today. And we have that shot through our readings. You heard it in St. Peter's epistle, how this was to be joined with that, and that was to be joined to this. And all of these things, all of these qualities are to be put into practice. Christianity is not just a bunch of ideas. Our doctrine is not just ideas that sort of float out in the air. Every doctrine of Christianity is meant to be used in some way. It is always meant to be put into practice. That's the good news, right? The bad news is that all of these things that Jesus tells you to do today, they're kind of impractical things. Did you notice that? So good news, bad news, today the gospel reading is full of practical impracticalities. Just think of what Jesus tells you to do today. What does it get you to give to the needy? What does it get you to spend your time praying every day? What does it get you to fast of all things, to not eat things. We are practical people, aren't we? We want to know what is the return on the investment. We want to know what are we going to get back if we do these things because they don't really seem to gain us anything. That's what I mean by all of these things being impractical practices. But here's where the good news comes back in. Jesus promises that you will have a return on your investment. Now, think of St. Matthew this morning. It's his gospel that we read from on Ash Wednesday. You know something about St. Matthew, don't you? You know what St. Matthew was before Jesus got a hold of him. You know that he was a tax collector, right? He was a money man. Well, St. Matthew has recorded for you the return on investment, so to speak. Jesus, through Matthew, tells you this morning that there will be a return 
on all of these practices that seem so impractical. There will be a return. You will lay up for yourselves, or another way to translate that verb, you will treasure for yourself treasures in heaven. But does that help now? (laughs) That's always our question, isn't it? What difference does it make now? All of these things that Jesus tells you to do, all of these things that Christians for centuries and centuries and centuries have practiced during the season of Lent, they don't seem to have any immediate payoff, do they? What is the return on investment when you give to the needy? You lose, don't you? Your bottom line suffers. You give your money away, and somehow, some way, Jesus says, you'll actually be gaining something when you do that. Think about prayer, for that matter, too. What do you gain by praying? You lose time, don't you? Time is precious. Time is money. And if I have to spend time praying, that's time that could be used doing something else. It's very impractical. And fasting, what could be more impractical than fasting? We need food, don't we? We need energy, we need power. And so to go without food, to go with less food, to not eat something that brings us pleasure, well, why would we ever do that? This is all very impractical stuff, isn't it? But Jesus has a promise for you. Jesus promises that when you do these things, when you do these things, there will be a gain. Even if it's not the kind of gain that you can measure in your bank account, it's not the kind of gain that you can see with your eyes. Jesus says what you will gain, what you will gain in these things is something far better than what you will lose. Take giving, for instance. What does it gain you to give your money away? It's a loss, right? But what you gain What you gain by giving your money away is the control that money has over you. Scripture says that the love of money is the root of all evil, right? So how do you get rid of the love of money? Give your money away. (laughs) When you give your money away, it loses its power over you. It loses its hold over you because you are saying to your money, you're not in charge of me. You don't control me. I am not your slave. In fact, I can give this away. Now, of course, you can carry that to an extreme, can't you? Jesus is not saying you have to give all of your money away. Jesus knows that you need to pay your bills. He knows that you need to have food. But Jesus also knows, and your Father in heaven knows, that money can exercise an inordinate control over our lives. The chasing after the dollar, the worship of the almighty dollar, has led many souls down. So lose it. And find that what you gain is the loss of money's control. Prayer, for that matter, works much the same way. It seems to be a loss of time. If you spend every morning praying through a couple of psalms, it'll take you maybe 10 minutes. You will, in a sense, lose that time. You won't be able to do in that time what you would otherwise be able to do. But what you will gain by that, what you will gain by that is the loss of the illusion that everything depends on you and your activity. Isn't that an illusion that we all sort of share together? I have to be busy. I have to do things. I have to be in control. When you pray every morning, it is a big, fat way of saying, I'm not in control. Everything does not depend on me and my power and my abilities. And you know who needs to hear this most? Pastors. Pastors think that everything depends on me, on us, on my words and my things. And so what often goes out the window first is prayer. 
The busier I get, the less I pray. So I preach to myself this morning, first and foremost. We're always preaching to ourselves. The pastors in the room will tell you. But not only to ourselves, because we all share that illusion, don't we? That everything depends on me. That everything depends on my activity and my busyness. Give that illusion away by praying. Let your time be wasted in this holy waste of time. And what you will find, what you will find is what Jesus promises. That though everything does not depend on you, there is one that all things depend on. And he, he is your father who loves you, who sees in secret and who knows all the things that you need for this day and for this year and for whatever season in life that you are. Fasting does the same thing, right? What do you gain by fasting? Well, not much. In fact, you lose things. That's why people like to do it, right? I can lose a little bit of weight. (laughs) Well, we could all use that, I suppose, right? But you also lose enjoyment. If you're giving up chocolate or if you're giving up coffee, that would be kind of crazy, wouldn't it? Or if you're giving up desserts in general or if you're just practicing good old fasting and not eating as much during the day, you're losing, aren't you? You're losing the enjoyment of food. You're losing that energy that you could have. And yet Jesus says you will gain through this. How? How can we gain by losing? Well, because what I lose there is being controlled again by my passions, by my hunger. In the same way that giving away money loses the power of money, in the same way that prayer loses the illusion of having to be in control, so also fasting loses the control of my passions and hungers over me. In all of these things, Jesus says you will gain by losing. And isn't that exactly the way the kingdom of heaven works? What is it that gained us heaven? It was our Lord losing his life. How is it that we have heaven opened to us? It was by Jesus coming in our flesh and blood and paying his own life, pouring out his own blood. By his loss, you have gained everything. And so in this weird kind of paradoxical way, this is exactly what we would expect in the kingdom of heaven. That the way that we gain, the way that we find our security is in fact by losing it, by losing our money, by losing our time, by losing our food, we gain something far greater. The return on your investment in all of these things is that you gain what is most sure, what is most certain, what is most secure. What is that phrase that Jesus kept using again and again and again? Your father who sees in secret will reward you. Money fades, doesn't it? And your own control, your own powers, they grow dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer by the day. And our own pleasure, for that matter, that fades very quickly. Moth and rust destroy all these things. Thieves break in and steal them. But there is something that does not fade away. There is someone who cannot be stolen away from you. And what Ash Wednesday proclaims to you, what this season of Lent proclaims to you loud and clear is this. Invest in him. Invest your time with your heavenly father. Invest your money with your heavenly father. Invest your pleasures with your heavenly father. And you will find, you will find that there with him, your heart will be secure. For your father, your father, he sees in secret. 
The Pharisees do all these things. The hypocrites do all these things in order to be seen, right? They want everybody to pay attention to them. But even that, even that fades quickly away. What people see today, what they praise today will be gone tomorrow. But your heavenly father, your heavenly father will see even these secret things, even these hidden things that no one else sees. And he, he will reward you. His reward will not fade away. His reward will not be stolen. His reward will not corrode. It will last now and forever. So good news, dear friends. Jesus gives you lots of practical things to put into practice. And even when they seem impractical, perhaps that's the whole point. For even in the impracticalities of the kingdom, we find, we find the best news of all, that our Lord has already done these things for us, and now he calls us to join him, to gain in our giving up. To him be the kingdom now and forever. Amen.